Hello and welcome back to the FEZ show. It's been a while. I'm your host, Jack Jordan, and we've got tons to talk about today in the build up to the Rome E Pre. Alongside me is once again Edward Hunter and Jack Pickering. How are we, boys? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Uh, delighted to be back. Looking forward to the Rome the race this weekend where we'll finally be on site after a couple of. False starts in Syria and Mexico. We're finally on site this this weekend, and we're really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while, hasn't it, since the last one? So uh, I guess let's get into it because uh, there's some interesting news to talk about. Right, take it away, Jack. There is indeed there is plenty of news to talk about, and obviously, yes, to to add to Pico's um, sentiments there in terms of. We are going to be at the track this time. Our first one, hopefully from now to the end of the season, there will be someone from the FEZ crew at every race between now and the end of the season. So what to talk about first? And the first thing is really interesting, actually. It's, it's something that we've harped on about for ages, and that is Dragon. And what about Dragon? Well, they have made their own powertrain for season after season after season. And we thought, why? They were very much in a similar situation with Virgin when they decided to go to DS when they were making their own powertrain. They don't make cars. So why make their own powertrain? So we were saying the same question about Dragon. And it looks like it's finally turned, Ed, for season three. Uh, season three, Gen three, sorry. Got to get your seasons and gens the, the right in right order now that we're, we're switching gens. Um, for Gen 3, they look like that they're going to be heading towards a DS powertrain. What are your thoughts on that, Ed? Yeah, yeah season nine, let's give them in, in mind there. Uh, so uh, it's certainly a, a big deal for Dragon because this isn't just DS deciding to supply an extra team. They are moving, essentially. The partnership they had with Tachita looks like it is about to be, not officially, it's not announced yet, but it looks like it may be, end up being dissolved. Uh, if what the race wrote uh, the other day is to be believed. So Dragon, they're going, DS is going to be part of the name. DS automobiles are going to have some influence on the livery, interestingly, which is a shame. The Dragon livery was the best thing about the car. Uh, and uh, they may also have some impact on driver choices as well, we believe. But uh, in exchange, they get a big, they get the DS powertrain and also big uh, commercial benefits that come with that partnership. So uh, yeah, uh, I, I suppose we may see the team become Dragon DS, which sort of, when I say that out loud, reminds me of like Nintendogs, but for dragons. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think it's great news for the team. Uh, it's interesting because the big thing for Dragon was their independence, right? Jay Penske liked the fact that uh, there were so many partnerships that sort of fell through because Jay Penske didn't really want to compromise. So I'm interested to see how this arrangement's going to work in terms of you've got DS in France, and then Penske, who have got, I believe, obviously they've got their, their US HQ, but also the one in, there's one in England somewhere. I think that they might be on the teams that moved to Silverstone, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Dragon so, are in Silverstone, yeah. Yeah, correctly, because I know Neo have just moved to Silverstone, and Dragon, I think, did a bit earlier. So there's a bit of logistically, I'm not, I'm not sure how it's going to work with things not really under the same roof, but I guess it was a similar thing with Tachita as well. They they were also had a base in the UK and DS in France, so... Um, uh, it, it certainly could be a big deal. We could see Dragon move up the grid next season if DS have got it right. Uh, but certainly it creates a big question mark for uh, who's going to end up uh, partnering with Tachita, who have, we know have been struggling a little bit with financial problems. Uh, Pika, how do you see it affecting Dragon? Obviously, we don't, we'll get on to Tachita and others in a moment, but 
it's big, right? We know how successful DS have been over the past couple of seasons with Tech Cheetah. A little less so now because it looks like that Mercedes powertrain um, is sort of taken to the front in terms of Formula E at this precise moment. But for Dragon to secure DS, how important do you think it will be for their chances, for them returning to the season one, season two days when they were challenging for championships? Oh, I think it's massive for Dragon. I think I think it's I think it's absolutely fantastic for them because they have been languishing down the near end, the the, the the back end of the table, for basically all of Gen Two. And um, yeah, I I would like to point out I, I I know exactly where Dragon is located because I drive past it every single day to work. Um, I I can't really see Neo in and in an Envision when because they're in the actual. Uh, technology park but they're but dragon are just at the side of dadford road so yeah i know exactly where they are um yeah so but yeah it, it's 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 going to be absolutely fantastic for them to get back towards the front um and uh, and yeah I, I think i've lost my train of thought i've lost my train of thought fellas well do you have any thoughts on question? What, how that's going to impact the driver lineup because we know Giovinazzi being Italian, being links to Ferrari, uh, Stellantis group coming in with Maserati. Do you think this move is going to keep Giovinazzi at Dragon? Now he's got a DS powertrain as well, so there's no benefit to going to Maserati. Yeah, I, 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 I think Giovinazzi will stay within the Ferrari fold because I think he's he, he's been there for so long. He was the reserve driver for Ferrari before he went into Formula One. Uh, and now he is that after Formula One as well, and I think he'll probably stay that. That obviously Ferrari have got their World Endurance Championship um, thing coming up soon. Um, but yeah, in, in, in terms of Dragon, we, we we knew that this was coming. We 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 knew that they weren't going to develop their own powertrains for um, for uh, for Gen Three. So I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting, uh, and I think it'll be interesting to see whether maybe one of the current DS drivers jumps over uh, if, if they have that close an affiliation. Because obviously someone like Jean-Éric Verne, he was, he was with um, DS at Virgin and DS again at Tachita. And so might make the hop over, obviously, as as I'd kind of touched on, um, Tachita are not in the best place financially at the moment. But um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think, it, I think it's going to be fantastic to see Dragon at least they were there about in the years to come, potentially. Now, let's talk about the manufacturer, because the Gen 3 list has been revealed, right, in terms of the manufacturers that will be providing Gen 3, and it does affect a lot of teams, because obviously we've got DS, which we have just talked about. We've got Jaguar, Mahindra, obviously, who will be powering Mahindra, um, Maserati, obviously Maserati joining the series. We've got Neo, of course, Nissan, and Porsche. That leaves the Mercedes powertrain runners at this precise moment, which we've seen with Venturi at this precise moment. So it leaves Venturi in a little bit of a pickle. We know, Ed, how Venturi have done so well this season, right? You know, they would have wished Mercedes would have been there because they could have had, you know, a strong powertrain potentially going into Gen 3 or them making a Gen 3 powertrain. How does... You know, a team like Venturi now who are doing so well to potentially be looking for a new power trade partner. How does that affect their, not maybe this season, but their planning, their preparation in terms of sponsors, in terms of them as a team moving forward, not knowing where they could be in the grid next season? Well, it's interesting because you look at the uh, customer teams, it really feels like everyone is sort of 
at this point planting their flag making partnerships we see in the vision have partnered up with jaguar of course so there were sort of fairly big links with those teams of sam birds for both of them and now uh supplying the there was a very funny video i think where sam bird was like supplying the uh he was going back to the Virgin HQ with the Jaguar powertrain in the back of an old Jaguar iPace or something and just giving it to Roman friends. Uh, so that was quite fun. Uh, and of course, uh, in terms of uh, other customers, we know Andretti are going to become a customer. I don't think we've quite heard anything on that deal yet. To Cheetah, to Cheetah now that DS are gone, could potentially uh, become a customer as well. So yeah, Venturi... Uh, we did speculate that they might possibly already have inked a deal with Maserati for the future to become either the official Maserati squad and end up having a bit of a, obviously a bit of an ownership or partnership with Maserati change. Or, uh, but there are other options for them as well. So um, there could be like a, two, it could be weird. We have Venturi and Dragon sort of both becoming the sort of uh, DS power teams in season nine. But uh uh, it's certainly important for them to get the partnership out early because it's not just the powertrain, there's the technical expertise as well that's going to cross over. We've seen that with Jaguar and Envision particularly. And uh, if you're not in part of the, if you're not in a partnership in your customer team, you're certainly going to be left behind is certainly the feeling. So uh, they need to, hopefully Ventura have already got it and it's just a case of announcing it. But uh, if they haven't got the deal linked already, they better Jerome D'Ambrosio and Susie Wolf better get the pens out and start signing contracts. Um, Pika, there's two teams I want to talk about. We'll talk the one hypothetical and one real, but we'll come to the real one for you first. And that's Mahindra I want to talk about because Mahindra, you know, have been part of Formula E now since season one and obviously had their little bit of a heyday season three, season four with Felix Rosenquist and Nick Heitfeld. And it hasn't really, you know, obviously they got the win last season with Alex Lynn, but they haven't really hit those heights. And now that you're seeing Dragon potentially go to DS and we know how strong that powertrain is, Mahindra now with Neo are kind of the only two teams, potentially with Maserati coming into the series as well, but we don't know how Maserati are going to do. It's an unknown. Like Mahindra now have gone from potentially being a top team to a middle-y team to a strong middle-ish side, could potentially be towards the back end of the field with Neo if they don't get their powertrain right and everybody else has a stronger powertrain via the customer route. Yeah, obviously, obviously that it, obviously that that is possible. Uh, I think uh, I think Mahindra do have to uh, do have a loss on uh, do have a loss on their plate because Gen Three, and they need to step it up to make sure that they are constantly fighting with them. Uh, even even then, right now we're seeing like the Mahindra powertrain. We're still seeing them do extremely well. Well, Oliver Rowland tops uh, a lot of the practice sessions in Diria, and and both him and Sims were there or there about in Mexico. Obviously. Sims is having a little bit more of a struggling season at the moment. I think languishing. I don't think he's scored a point yet, but uh, I think um, I think Mahindra. I think they have the capability to be able to fight there or thereabout. But they could uh, at the same time they could risk dropping back to uh, fight towards the t- uh, the back end of the field. But fingers crossed. Formula Formula is traditionally Formula has been very competitive it's, and we've always seen everyone being there or there about obviously now with the new quality system and everything it's a bit more spread out but even then I don't think it's proved too much of a problem for Mahindra I think they're still there or there about this season and providing that they get it right next season they'll be there or there about again. Ed the hypothetical team and there's been a lot of news about this McLaren right whether or not they take up this option and it 
it seems from reports, it seems to suggest that they're quite likely, it seems to take up this option and they have been exploring. I know what, I, I don't know, I heard things about Mercedes, but obviously Mercedes are not on that list um, of manufacturers. So if McLaren do take up this option, where do you see them going as a potential powertrain you know, supplier? Because they're not creating their own. Well, the big speculation that I was reading was that they've uh, inked a deal with Nissan and what it's really, what you know is all the sort of McLaren, obviously, they're in sort of figuring out how to do a sort of transition, who's going to stay on from Mercedes, uh, which partners are going to stay on. Apparently, the FIT team is going to continue to be funded by a lot of um, companies like Neon from Saudi Arabia, which uh, you can imagine how I feel about that. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, it is interesting whether it's going to happen or not, because obviously Zach Brown, uh, they've, he's got the team in Extreme E. Uh, he's got the IndyCar squad. Obviously, they're still in Formula One, not doing too well at the moment, but uh, that could very well change by the end of the season. So um, uh, McLaren have got a lot of plates on, on spinning at the same time, and uh, there's even a rumour that they still might enter World Endurance Championship as well. So um, uh, with Maserati joining, uh, like I said, that might be the sort of thing that brings back their confidence, because remember when Mercedes left, they were making a lot of noises like, oh, we're not sure about this now. And uh, so hopefully this, this allows them to get off the fence and there's been stuff going on behind the scenes. Apparently, Zach Brown and uh, Ian James have been meeting together at the um, Saudi Arabia EPRI and at the F1 race as well in Jeddah. So there's obviously, everyone's in the loop. We know discussions are being had. Uh, I think Nissan is the most likely option for them. Nissan, of course, haven't supplied any team yet in Formula E, so they wouldn't be contested as a partner. It's not like everyone wants to go for Jaguar powertrain or everyone wants to go for Porsche powertrain or something like that. Although Porsche would be another good option if the Nissan deal falls through, but it seems it's been inked. So uh, the big question is who stays for Mercedes really? I think I don't think there's any reason to get rid of like Ian James or the management structure, but I could see some of the drivers jumping ship like Nick DeVries. Stoffel van Dorn might stay because he used to drive for McLaren uh, back in the day, although he might not have the fondest memories of Zach Brown. Uh, during that time so uh, I, I could see some new drivers joining the team but uh, I don't think it would be called Mercedes anymore I think once Mercedes are gone they're gone so it'll be a matter of uh, managing the rebrand carefully it'll be called McLaren something or other probably in deference to Vestas or Neon or one of those Saudi sponsors that I mentioned earlier yeah I can definitely see some form of sponsorship being added onto the McLaren name and obviously it's interesting with their structure you know, obviously, as you said, being an extremely indie car, it feels like the natural progression of, of expanding that McLaren name would then go to Formula E. But we'll see if that happens. But it's just been a very interesting couple of days in terms of, or couple of weeks, I should say, in terms of that story. I want to move on. Ed, I'm going to come back to you quickly on this one. Um, Formula E have also announced a, a new Accelerate series. Um, so I just wanted to ask, like, how important is that for Formula E to keep doing this and keep plugging this initiative? Because, you know, we've had a sort of a very quiet six-week period between Mexico and Rome, where not much really has happened. There hasn't been much news. Nothing much has really been reported, really, until like a couple of days ago. How important is it for Formula E to have these things going on in the background while we wait between races? I think it's very important for me, uh, not just to fill the break, but also because sim racing itself is a big deal. Uh, we've seen F1 has kind of stolen a march with their F1 esports series, which obviously takes place a lot later in the year. But in sort of these early months, sort of March, February, March, April, that sort of time, 
uh, that's the best that's a really good time to do it because you haven't got too much competition in the esports side of things uh, and uh, obviously i know there was all that criticism after the race up and challenge and what happened to daniel apps especially but i think accelerate last year was very good there was some great racing in it and uh, of course kevin siggy won uh, race own challenge and i forget who won i think it was frederick rasmussen who won um, accelerate last season if uh, i could i might be incorrect on that but because it's been a while since i watched any of it but certainly it's a great place to see these also great to see former league teams partner up with these big esports drivers who are sort of incredibly versatile they like they drive f1 games they drive r-factor they drive i-racing and um all big platforms of course so uh, and great to see the formerly tracks themselves in the sort of virtual form uh of course they haven't got all of them on on their in that sort of r-factor to um add-on but they've been gradually adding bits as they go uh also on the broadcast side it's great to see i thought uh darren adetoso who won the talent call in the end of 2020 was one of the main presenters along with jack nichols on the accelerate for coverage i thought she did a brilliant job it's a real shame we haven't seen very much of her on the tv coverage but she showed that she could uh, really present really confidently felt very natural and uh, i think that from a presenting side which you only don't really think about i think uh, so is a great chance is a great opportunity for her too so i really hope uh, they get her doing it again um pico i'm going to come to you now in terms of i want to think for marie now like this six week period as i said it was it was quite quiet and with formulary being i know it's it, we're going into we're in our eighth season now and i don't know if we can still call it a startup championship but do you think formulary still needs to do more to sort of create that abundance. It feels like this championship has gone quite silent. And obviously this Accelerate initiative again, sort of pumps that up. There's something formulary related and it's not just the races. I feel like at the moment in terms of the championship, it's just, it's falling quite silent. What do you think? I would wonder, I would want to point out that this eight week gap between the championship, it wasn't, wasn't supposed to be obviously we were supposed to have races in cape town and sanya uh, in this gap however uh they they fell through uh because of, of the pandemic um it, it it does feel like formula e has kind of stagnated a little obviously i think um i think more people have come on board because of the new qualifying format i think they see that as like uh, it's not as not as much as a lottery anymore as it was with the previous format um I think the fact that over here in the UK, Channel Four are on board. I think that that's, I think that that's very key. I think it's disappointing that that they're only showing select races on Channel Four and then just putting the other ones on YouTube. They're not even giving more for or EF or anything like that, or like a chew in just to make sure that it's on the, the TV. Uh, so I do find that bit a bit frustrating. But um, uh, but yeah, it, it it does kind of seem that. The series does stagnate. I mean, we, we've we've just lost two big manufacturers, and we're and we're about to lose a third. Yes, we're getting back Maserati. Yes, we're um uh, we're potentially getting McLaren, but there is kind of this like stagnation that I do feel like it needs to do more. Obviously, with the accelerate uh, program, I think that will that will generate a little bit more hype into it. Obviously, there are lots of esports drivers and uh, who, who want to get involved, and. And the fact that it is open to everyone as well, it does mean that everyone can get involved as well. But yeah, I think there are like there are like these niggling bits here and there. But 
with the exception of that, I think Formula E, I think it's doing enough to, you know, stay afloat. I think, Ed, you know, I said it's, this is a really interesting topic and we could probably do a whole show dedicated to, to Formula E and, and sort of the way that they, you know, produce and sort of promote the name and the brand. But, you know, we're seeing F1 now come out with the F1 manager game and there are different types of games and different types of things that they're doing to get people in F1. You've got MotoGP doing a documentary series on Amazon Prime. You've got obviously the Netflix series with Formula One. We don't really see that with Formula E. And we know how important, well, when we think about the Netflix series of Formula One, we know how many casual fans that has brought to the championship. And I think MotoGP have tried the exact same thing with Amazon Prime. Yes, um, there was a, you know, the documentary, the film, let's say, of, of season four with for Formula E, which was good. And I think that was a good thing for Formula E to do. But the fact that, you know, you know if MotoGP carry on this thing on, on Amazon Prime and Formula One obviously are carrying on this thing with Netflix, do you think that could be something that Formula E jumps into and says, well, we want to be on Amazon Prime or we want to be on Netflix. We want to get our name out there and, and promote the championship that way. Well, I don't know if you remember, Jack, but um, at the very end of last year, Formula released this sort of documentary series. I forget what it was called, uh, but it was basically very much trying the Formula's version of trying to piggyback off of Drive to Survive. And they just put it on YouTube. It was 20 minute episode documentary sort of things where they followed uh, throughout the season uh, seven, essentially, uh, certain teams and drivers. And uh, yeah, it felt very much like um, Drive to Survive, but with less uh, made up stuff in it, basically, uh, which is nothing that Drive to Survive has been criticized for. But uh, unfortunately, because it was just on the YouTube channel, I don't think many people saw it. And there's certainly, yeah, a wider discussion to be had, because I think I saw a really interesting tweet that Hazel Southwell, who I, I don't always see eye to eye, but I think she made a very good point, which was about how Formula e did all the hard work of selling the championship pre-pandemic when it was a much harder sell. And now they've sort of taken their foot off the gas a little bit. And there's sort of, I've, I've talked before about how I disagreed with Formula E strategy of um, sort of basically trying to hook up with influencers and get the influencers to do the job for them when the influencers don't really care about the sport and sort of mention it once and then forget about it. So, um, so yeah, there's certainly, um, it's certainly about, I think what Pico was saying about Channel 4 was kind of interesting with the news that Channel 4 is apparently going to be privatized but then sold off by the government which is not great for Formula E because it means they have to probably have to run another new home. But I guess with um, the rugby on this weekend is the reason why they put it on YouTube, unfortunately, which is a shame because like Pigo said, why not just put it on More 4 or even E4 or something like that and give it a, a chance at least. But, I, I, but, you know, it's sort of, it's not really, uh, it, it's a typical, it always seems to be the way to get the motorsport loses out when there's a bigger sport like rugby or something. If it's not Formula 1, people don't want to know about it, sadly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, there's, a, there's a bigger problem there. And certainly in terms of uh, Formula's marketing, it needs to, they need to get rid of some of the showy stuff. Even the, um, what was it, the No Turning Back video they did before Deria, uh, that was sort of their big season opening launch video. I, I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. And it was sort of DaCosta, Bird and Verline just running around and doing silly things. It didn't promote the sport. It didn't really tell you anything about what the sport's actually like. It was just a flashy kind of action series kind of thing. And I think if you watch that trailer and you watch Formula E, you'd be very confused. So, um, so yeah, there's certainly, there's certainly incoherence from the marketing team at Formula E and they certainly need to um, 
I think they need to get back to basics and they need to figure out whether they want to appeal to motorsport fans like you know you me or uh, more casual fans and, and go and keep doing all this flashy stuff because I think sooner or later they need to establish a core audience and make up their mind about who who that is basically yeah and uh, you know we're not fully bashing Formula E here like we know they've tried and it's not an easy job but yeah absolutely you're, 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 right. you're seeing what other championships are doing and obviously they're more established and you're just thinking shouldn't we be jumping on this train right surely but let's move on in terms of talking about the calendar because pico sort of brought it up there with the gap with no sanya no cape town although cape town pico has been sort of announced so we were talking i wanted to is it do formerly need that one or two more races just dotted in the calendar i know you said sanya and, and cape town just to even out the spread because obviously these long gaps, we had it back in season two, season three, when, you know, we were like, this is a disaster for the championship, not having these races. And I still think it is now because the just noise around it was just so quiet. Yeah, I think obviously, it, obviously I think, uh, as I said, it's COVID that's prevented us from going back to Sanya and going back to, uh, well, I'm going to Cape Town. Um, next year, we're going to be racing in Hyderabad and, um, in India as well, which is going to be fantastic. I know that Dilbag Gill um, has been wanting an Indian Grand Prix for so long, so I think that's fantastic news that we're finally going to India. Um, also next year, we might see the return of the Santiago race as well. So I think once we have a full-on calendar, like I think, I think it is possible to have a proper calendar that runs from December next year until August uh, and 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 it is full of and it is full every few every two or three weeks with the exception of the Christmas gap. Um, so yeah, I I I, fu I fully think that it, it is possible for Formula. E. I know Alberto Longo said that there are so many destinations that want to have a Formula E race, but you you then have to factor in because they're all in city centres, like the the traffic that would come of it and, and and all like the logistical stuff so and and that is a core part of formula e we know that formula one have had to axe the melbourne race for the last couple of years because it would take so long to set it up and then and then for it to just not happen it just it just wouldn't be right and so uh, but as as we're heading back to more and more like Street, so we, we we can head further out in the world now. The world is more or less open, finally once again. And I think that soon we will be able to have we 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 will be able to have a full calendar even even from next year. I think that that's possible, and we and I think the interest will. I think the interest will be better whether it be like a two or three week gap or even a one week gap between Monaco and Paris next year um it's 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 going to be a lot more tightly packed season than, than we've seen before yeah i i think honestly i feel like it's a has 2021 season for formula e this year i think it's pretty much get to gen 3 and then hype gen 3 as much as possible because i think that's the marketing strategy right is these new cars so we're in the last year of these cars now and i think that's why it's just a bit more quiet than usual it's because well we're gearing up, we're gearing up for this change. So I, I, I firmly believe that once 
the change happens once Jennifer wants, you know, they've, they've, they, it feels like months ago they teased these pictures of the Gen 3 cars. Like, when are you going to show? And I feel like we've forgotten about the launch of the Gen 3 car because they teased the pictures so long ago in testing, right? That was November of last year. And we're now in April and we still don't know what the car looks like. So, and I'm assuming that's got to come soon. Right, but it's, it's just—it's coming Monaco weekend. Yeah, Monaco so weekend it's going to be announced. So the end of this month, but it seems such a long time ago that they teased the pictures, and you just think, well, you know, we've kind of since then we've moved on with our lives and we've forgotten about Gen Three in a sense because or forgotten about what those pictures even look like because it was so such a long time ago. But as I said, we can have a whole whole show dedicated to, you know. The way Formula E is moving forward. Let's talk about Rome because effectively this probably show will be called a Rome pre-preview, and we haven't talked about Rome yet. So let's talk about Rome to end off the show. Obviously, um, Ed, Rome is quite a different track to the ones that we've gone, like Diria and Mexico. It's very much point and square. It's a very typical Formula E track. Do, do you see? Obviously, we've seen Porsche and we've seen Venturi do really well and obviously that comes with Mercedes as well like who do you think this is going to suit um the Rome track do you think this will be more of a Mercedes Venturi track do you think this will be more of a Porsche track or do you think it'll be somebody else who you know hasn't really shone so far this season um to to take victory well I don't know because you would sort of think given how last season went and given how Theria went, that every track would be a Mercedes track. But we saw in Mexico, they really struggled with uh, getting the setup and they were just on the back foot pretty much the entire race day. So I think a lot of it's going to come down to, um, there's like four or five teams that are pretty similar in pace. And it comes down to who basically gets hooked up to the track, who gets the right setup. Um, I really think Oliver Rowland went really, really well at Rome last season. So I think if anyone, and he got really unlucky because I think he sped, uh, there was some energy management infracture under the safety car and he got penalised for it, I think. So while he was leading in the first race. Uh, so I, I think um, I think he's quick enough to get up to the front and I don't think he'll make the same mistake twice. So I think Oliver Rowland, should be one to watch. And Alexander Sims wasn't too bad in the second race at Rome last season either. So given that it's the same cars throughout the field, I think only um, Dragon have introduced a new car since then. Uh, I, I really expect um, Mercedes, Mahindra, Tachita. I think the Audi powertrain was quite good. So I think Envision will be quite handy here as well. Um, and of course, Venturi as well, doing the, uh, with the Mercedes powertrain, and they'll be a bit uh, more... Uh, experience with it this season so uh, it, it's hard to predict it's obviously quite a bumpy undulating track in places there's like the chicane which is really narrow and uh, easy to get wrong uh, in the middle of the track and they've also moved the start finish line which is good because they started on the safety car um, in both races last season basically because it was a bit unsafe so they've moved it to one of the longer straights uh, but I think the finish line so there's a timing beam is in exactly the same place. So that won't be too confusing. So um, I think I think it'd be great to see an actual standing start there for the first time. And uh, it is, like I said, very hard to predict. But uh, I, I, re I really think uh, Mahindra will be the ones to watch. They really need to get their season underway. And I think Rome historically has been a fairly strong track for them. Phoebus Rosenquist also got pulled there in season four, uh, back on one of the old layouts. So, um, so yeah, it's, it just seems Mahindra might have a little bit of that edge. 
uh, and they'll be the ones to watch, I think, along with the usual suspects. Yeah, it's hilarious. Like, I felt I for you there, Ed, because, you know, you're like, oh, it could be them, it could be them, it could also be them, it could be them, or them. Uh, and you're just like, yeah, just list the whole grid, just like the whole grid. Everyone, I didn't list everyone. Porsche, funnily enough, because <laughs> yeah. I, I sort of think, like, it's going to be different winners each time. So I think Porsche should probably be, especially given how Lotter basically turned it into a disruption derby last time he was there. I, hopefully he'll cut that out. Fingers crossed. Right, Pico, I want to talk about Degrassi slightly. Um, because he moved, obviously, to Venturi, and, you know, Degrassi, Degrassi is such a calculated person. Like, he wants to win races, he wants to win championships, and he's managed to find himself in a car with Venturi that can potentially win races, but he's kind of being outshone at this precise moment by Eduardo Mortara. For you, if he doesn't click in these two races, get on the podium again, or yes, he was in the podium on Dira, but maybe even be in that race-winning position to try and win a race, maybe too early to say his championship chances are over, but then are you starting to see that Venturi might be starting to take Eduardo Mortara more seriously than potentially Lucas Degrassi? I, I, I think they'll focus on both drivers. I think, I think it'll be... Um, I think it'll be close between the two of them. I think it's been close throughout the season already. Um, and Degrassi is new to the team. So uh, he obviously he only had three days of testing with um, in Valencia. And they've also they, they they've all had the same track time and he is one of the few drivers that have switched places for for, uh, uh, for this season. And so I, I do think that I, I do think that he's been great so far this year because he's been there or there about in every single race. And obviously Mexico was a bit of a disappointment because he he has such a great track record around that track until um uh with the exception of the year that Daniel Apps won, he had always crossed the line first until Mitch Evans um, won in season six. Um, so it's it's an interesting one for Degrassi, but I think it's gonna. Uh, I, I I think he'll be there or thereabout again, score some decent points. And honestly, I don't think anyone's championship will be over until we get. Well, obviously, Neo might be out. Neo and Dragon might be out of it by now, but you know, I think I think come. We, we, we won't be eliminating anyone until probably even Berlin or Jakarta. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. Obviously, we know Degrassi, like, I'm a big fan of Degrassi in terms of, you know, just his pure willingness to go out and win. But it's just interesting because we didn't know how long, if this was going to be just a one-year deal. I think it probably is a one-year deal that he's on with Venturi. And it's, you know, the way that he was talking at the end in Berlin, it was just like, I'm going to pop here and then I'm going to make a decision of where I'm going to go for Gen 3. That could still be Venturi if he believes in the Venturi project. But he's obviously, he went there to try and win a championship. He went there to win races again. And he's just like, well, you need to start now because Eduardo Mortar is doing it. You've got the opportunity to do it. We know how good Lucas Degrassi is. So I felt like, you've got to get it right this weekend. If he doesn't get it right the first day, that's fine because you've got the second day. I think that's the beauty of a doubleheader. You kind of get your iron on the day one and day two, you can really go for it. But then to, to sort of wrap up the show, I want to ask who do you think is going to win the Rome E-Prix or the two Rome E-Prix? Who do you think? Because there is two of them. It's a doubleheader. So Ed, I'll go to you first. Who's your money on? Oh, um, let's put me on the spot. I, I think... Um... I think race two will be run by Oliver Rowland uh, because I think he'll be able to make up for what happened last season. I'm doing it in reverse order here for some reason. 
race one, I think, will be won by. Uh, I feel like um, I'm trying to think of. Uh, I think Robin Frains because it's been so long since Robin Frains won a race. Uh, he went pretty well in Rome. Like him and Degrassi had a great battle actually in race one. I think it was last year in Rome, and uh, the Envision doesn't seem too far behind, even though they're now. A customer team they're basically the factory Audi team with Audi gone so I think um, Nick Cassidy was all getting pole last year in the rain uh, but I think it's I think Robert Franz will be able to put it all together it'll be a chaotic race uh, race one but I think Franz will come out on top and then roll in the win race two. Pico who do you see winning? Um, I might join Ed and go for the Envision team but I'm going to go for the other side of the garage and say Nick Cassidy just ju- uh, just be interesting uh, the other the other race, uh, I'm going to say Jaguar. Jaguar left the championship lead, uh, uh, left left Rome leading the championship last year. If I can get the words out now, um, so I think I think that they've got a fair chance this weekend. They'll be there or thereabout. They'll finally find their form back towards the front of the grid. So um, one of the Jaguar drivers to win race two, uh, and Nick Cassidy race one. Interesting. Obviously, Nick Cassidy was on pole um, last season and obviously spun um, at the turn three, I think it is. Well, the down the hill section. Um, but my then, I'll go. Stoffel Van Dorn's going to win both of them. I'm just putting it out there right now. Stoffel Van Dorn's going to win both. Mercedes is just going to dominate. Um, How predictable. Yeah. So well, that's Stoffel... a bit uh, interesting because Stoffel Van Dorn's not had the greatest start because he's been a little bit outshone by Nick DeVries in places. So that would be quite a turnout. He did win in Rome last year, though. So I do see where you're coming from with that. So, yeah. And it, 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 no, he was in pole in one of them, and then he won the other one. Because the one that he was because in pole Because Mr. Andre Lotterer was the one took that him out, Lotterer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Stoffel Van Dorn, both of them. And then he might be leading the championship by the way of it. I think he deserves a championship. I feel like, you know, if all things were even last season, I feel like Van Dorn was probably one of the better drivers obviously had i think the most pole positions last season um but it just didn't fall for him or, or you know luck and and so forth so well, he I lost one of those poles because mercedes didn't enter the right number on the little technical passport basically they got all the digits wrong so yeah I remember that. did all the work in valencia and then lost the bottle still got third though in the end so i guess it didn't hurt him too badly but uh yeah he'll certainly uh He's certainly not had his fair rub of the green and he's certainly been doing his best to fight back. We saw in Mexico, he had a little good little fight with DeVries. So I hope to see the Mercedes boys fighting each other again in Rome. And the thing is, it's less predict. It's more, it's more predictable now with the qualifying. I don't think going into race one to race two that, you know, we'll see a massive, you know, change in terms of who's going to qualify. Whereas last season, if you won first race and you were in group one, there was a high chance you weren't winning the second race. So I think with the qualifying system being more equal now there is a chance to see someone potentially put it on pole on both days and i'm not saying they're going to both be lights to flag victories but i feel like soon in formula re with the qualifying system that there will be a lights to flag victory at some point um when i don't know but who knows but boys thank you so much for being on the show i've really enjoyed it cheers jack no worries uh i'm looking forward to rain and as we said at the beginning of the podcast um we will be at rome mr pickering will be there so make sure that you are on our social media platforms over the rome weekend youtube channel there'll be plenty of videos dropping there um so make sure you keep your eye out for that for all the latest sort of, like driver interviews pre-race post-race 
we'll have you covered this weekend and we are really really looking forward to it so we'll hopefully see you there have a great weekend enjoy the rome epre and we'll see you soon goodbye